We're gonna have to give the holder to Gab. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, let's end on that nepotistic note, <laughs> albeit a good one. And also, there's not many people that can handle anything from Lee Johnson, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. There is only one name on our all-decade list at the running back position, Jerem. No, it's not Taysom Hill. Guess who it is. (laughs) We could have done Taysom for both. It could have been Taysom Hill. It is, not surprisingly, the J-Swag Daddy, Jamal Williams. He's unquestionably one of a kind. He's all-time leading rusher at BYU, had over 3,900 yards, 3,901 to be exact, and ran for a record 286 yards in a 55-53 win against Toledo, who had Kareem Hunt, another Mm -hmm. NFL running back, on their team. The Swag Daddy takes our number one and only running back spot. Most carries in BYU history as well, third most touchdowns, 15 100-yard games, he was good, and he brought so much personality to the position as well. Very hard runner. As a young guy, kind of got brought up with Taysom Hill because Michael Lisa broke his arm in the Hawaii game or uh, early in that season. Jamal Williams played with such great emotion, part of some really big wins. At Michigan State was a huge win. Spartans don't end up being that good that year, but Jamal ends up being a guy that helped his stock into the NFL. He didn't have to come back, by the way. So Jamal... Uh, Dips out of school in August of 2015, does not play that season. He could have transferred, been a grad transfer potentially, or just left BYU. Chose to come back, finish what he started like Kylo Ren, and then he had a tremendous senior season, and now he's thriving in the NFL with the Packers. He just played with such ferocity. He never lost yards, and he never fumbled the ball. What more can you want from your star running back? You don't lose yards, you don't fumble the ball, and you put together 15 100-yard games. You're the all-time leading rusher, and he was a huge part of some of the biggest BYU wins over the last 10 years. There's a, there's a reason that without Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, BYU's not been the same team. In fact, they've been a sub-500 team since those two left. Yes, they went, BYU, they went 9-4 and four because of Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. I think they're probably 7-6 and six without them, right? And that's kind of what we've seen the last couple of years with BYU football is they haven't been able to get to that nine-win plateau. It's nice when you have an NFL battery. And they did with Tijon Chroma, by the way, who was injured uh, and, and missed uh, a bunch of time you know, last season and some of this season. Perhaps he gets a shot in the league at the, the next level uh, with the Chiefs or whatnot. When you have the quarterback, the running back, and the center that all have NFL capability, two of the three for sure, now that's special. What was Jamal's iconic moment at BYU? Does he have a moment? I know the game is Toledo, clearly, but does he have a moment? Mm. Maybe, maybe. Uh, well, there were a bunch. I mean, Texas, as a sophomore, he had 182. Wyoming putting his stamp on like, things as like, the forever poinsettia champs. Just, yes, the yes, stiff arm. The stiff arm on a guy. I, I think his moment was his personality. It was his uh-huh. dancing. It was playing catch with the fans. It was his interactions with us. Uh, he called us uh, middle-aged vanilla men, uh, <laughs> which is completely accurate. Um <laughs> Yeah, those were the moments for me. Those were the moments for me. <laughs> hey, we've got another pass catcher to talk about. Okay, another position uh, that stood out over a long period of time with BYU's tight end position. Um, but the story's not over for this guy. The best tight end of the decade, in our opinion, we give one guy. It's Matt Bushman. And it, it's not close, Jerem. Over this decade, there haven't been a ton of tight ends that produce for BYU until Matt Bushman emerged in 2017. And he was a freshman All-American 
on a four and nine team. Like the bright spot? That's Fred, really hard to Fred do. Fred Warner on defense and Matt Bushman on offense? Matt Bushman has been the leading receiver in all three of his seasons at BYU. We'll see how things turn out uh, in 2019 or if he plays through 2020. He's got an opportunity because he is so good if he wants to probably go to the NFL. I don't know that he'll be that high of a draft pick if that's his choice, and I hope he comes back because he can uh, continue to stockpile uh, some attributes and improvement that would lead to him being a higher draft pick. Same with Kyrus Tonga, by the way. More on that later. He's been the best tight end in this decade, no doubt. And you look at the numbers, 1,600 yards uh, for a tight end. He passed Chad Lewis from 7th to 6th. Um, that's big time. Nine touchdowns. Certainly can get better, but he's been a bright spot on, on an otherwise struggling offense the last several years as BYU's tried to get back to what it's been. Um, he's not top five or top ten all-time tight end at BYU, in my opinion. He could climb into the top ten if he stays for a senior year and has a really nice season. He's got to pad those numbers a little bit more. Yes, and the tight end position, I mean, it goes quarterback than tight end in terms of the great positions at BYU, even more than, say, linebacker, where BYU's produced a bunch of guys over the years. Tight end has been unbelievable here. Yeah, the last time BYU had an elite tight end, it was 2009. Dennis Pitta. That guy, yeah. What's his name again? What was his name again? (laughs) Stop it. Matt Bushman (laughs) is the next elite tight end at BYU. Oh, my goodness. Andrew George did have an iconic moment, that's for sure. I think we thought that Moroni Laulupututau would probably compete more in this. Um, It's been solid this year, but hasn't been targeted a ton. Just glad he stayed healthy. At least he's been able to play. That's great, but... I wanted more out of him. I thought we, we talked about the Atula Mealy, uh, Lewis, and George, and that other guy it's so so much uh, during the summer. But yeah. Now, if Matt Bushman is the leading receiver for three consecutive years, then he's got to be in the top 10 all time tight ends, right? At BYU. No. The no? offenses. No. No. It, the offenses uh, have not been that good. It's not like he put up 700 yards in, in any of these, it was like in the 500s. All right. Yeah. Okay. A debate for another day. Yeah. Finally, on the offensive side of the ball, let's look at the big beauties up front. I don't know why we call them, why do we always call them the big uglies? I think that the I would never call them that the because big, they would beat me the, up. The big beauties, the guys who really go to work and uh, often aren't recognized. Yes, the offensive line. Who are the five guys that protect the quarterback, that open up holes for the running backs, and make the receivers look good because they're giving the quarterback time to get the ball out? Jerem, we're going with the following five. T. John Karoma started all four years. DeAndre Wesley, Matt Reynolds, Braden Hanson, another four-year starter, and Riker Matthews. This is a quality group, and uh, we almost have it where it's you know center, two guards, and two tackles, although I think uh, Braden Hanson uh, was – was a tackle. We have like four tackles in the center, I think. We could put Matt Reynolds on the inside if we wanted. Riker Matthews still in the CFL. Braden Hansen really good at BYU. Matt Reynolds, cup of postum in the NFL. Um, he was going to be a guy that played, uh, was going to be a first or second rounder. Decided to stay. Kind of hurt his stock a little bit, but he was tremendous here. DeAndre Wesley's played in a couple of games in the NFL, three officially. Hopefully he can play in some more, but he's at least been on some practice squads. And as I mentioned, TJ Karoma has been injured. Brady Christensen is a guy that by the end of his career would have cracked this, be on list, this list, in my opinion. Jeff Grimes has spoken very highly of him. NFL scouts say that he pops when they go to practice. In fact, he may be BYU's best NFL prospect at the moment. That's ahead of Kairos Tonga and ahead of Matt Bushman. Wow. Believe it. The next great challenge for BYU is to start producing the NFL offensive linemen that BYU was so accustomed to putting out in 
the 80s and the 90s and even into the early 2000s. It was just a regular thing. BYU put offensive linemen into the NFL. That matters. And at the heart of football, it's not the pass and the catch or the pass and the handoff or whatever. The heart of football is me making a block on you so that a guy can make a play behind us or in front of us, right? Um, that's the heart of football is blocking and tackling. And if BYU can get more of those NFL guys, hey, they can compete more in these loaded front heavy schedules with Power 5 teams. The trenches are where you win and lose those games. It's not at the skills yeah. positions. You, you work from the center out. Where's the next John Tate? Where's the next Reynolds brother? I yes. mean, they had a few that cracked into the NFL. Who's the next guy to get into the NFL and stay put for a BYU offensive lineman group? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that is our all-decade offensive lineup for what BYU a, football. What a team. You look, I mean, you look at it from wire to wire. Uh, Taysom Hill with Cody Hoffman, Mitch Matthews, and Jordan Leslie. He actually <laughs> did throw those guys with Jamal Williams. Um Imagine Taysom Hill throwing to Matt Bushman. Imagine Taysom Hill protected by Karoma, Wesley, Reynolds, Hanson, and Matthews. Woo! I mean, that would be awesome. That uh, would be yes. awesome. Opening up some running lanes for Taysom Hill that's and a, Jamal Williams. That's a 10-win team. That's an 11-win team, baby. In the Mountain West. That's an independence-validating in team right there. That would have been good. Oh, but it man. depends on who is on the defense, right? Um, and coming up, does Blaine Fowler agree with our all-decade team? What does he know? Okay, let's be honest. He he knows a lot of stuff. (laughs) Up next, the all-decade defensive team makes us realize that we had some uh, serious ballers on the other side of the coin as well. This is BYU Sports Nation. You're on the all-defensive decade team. Woo! That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, our BYU football all-decade special. Don't forget to listen to the show or any BYU Sports Nation by downloading the podcast. We are pleased to welcome in our favorite uncle, Uncle B, into Studio B, dual-thread analyst, national champion quarterback at BYU, Blaine Fowler. Welcome to our all-decade special, Blaine. Oh, Blaine? This is fun stuff to talk about. And we could we could do a four hundred hour show on this. That's called AO, do, that's called AFR. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> no, we 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 could do the decade. Then we can do the fifty year team. We can do it all. Now I want to give you props for something that you brought up back in October of twenty sixteen in reference to Michael Davis and you calling your shot about him being an elite talent that could start anywhere for Alabama or LSU or anybody. And people gave you a hard time about this on social media. Are Crack Research Team has tracked down this, this moment in October awesome. of 2016, Blaine. Listen to this. Teams are looking at film and going, wow, this guy is really good. Why are we going to attack this guy when we have young players over there? And it doesn't matter whether Troy's over there or Wilcox is over there or who it is that's over there. They're going to go at that corner. And if you're going at one side, even if they went at Michael Davis all game long, they're going to catch some balls on Michael Davis, just a, just a lower percentage. So they choose higher percentages. So if it seems like... They're picking on those guys. It's because they are, but not because they're going, hey, these guys aren't good and these guys aren't talented. They're going, okay, what's our option here? We've got Michael Davis who can play. Michael Davis could start anywhere in the country. Michael Davis could start at Alabama at corner. He's that good. He, mm. has, the, he has the speed. He's got the size. He's a guy that translates into the NFL. And- 
You called your shot, Blaine. Some people on social media said you were on drugs. We're not going to name names, but they said I got to stop taking drugs. <laughs> you were right, man. And he made our old decade team. Yeah, and, and remember, they had they put Diane in. And, and, and Michael, there were some times when he was struggling when they were getting real complicated with the defense and some of the zone packages that they were running. But I'm going and watching him in one-on-one, -on -one, and I know what the NFL scouts are looking at, and they're going, man, here's this long dude that runs 10 600 meters, runs a high 4-3 or low 4-4 40, um, has great hips, and can just lock people down in man. That's an NFL corner. That's Alabama's corners, right? In fact, I bet I'm not sure where Alabama's corners from 2016 are, but I don't know if they're still starting they, in the NFL like yeah, Michael is. Yeah. Well, they weren't showing up uh, against Auburn in the Iron Bowl a few weeks ago. So I knew that when he got in a system where all he had to do was football and he could be there eight hours a day and he could learn what he needed to do and he'd play a higher percentage of man that he would be a really, really good player. You just look at his physical skill set and he certainly was that. Hey, he was good when he was here. Give him a guy and say, go lock that guy down. He could lock down anybody in the country. And what? he's still doing it. And he's still doing it for the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers. I'm calling them San Diego Chargers. Yeah, they'll always be the San Diego Chargers, and that song needs to come back. That yes, it does. does. So it, good. It's such a good song. Who do you like more, the offense or the defense here? Both awesome, but who, which team uh, well, wins? Well, when, when, when I look at, at what you guys have put together, first of all, I agree with it wholeheartedly. There's a few players that, you know I might add to that, but um, the linebacking core. Whoa. We, we, we could be talking about maybe an all-time linebacking core with a couple of, of exceptions. Kyle Van Noy is good as – I mean, he was phenomenal, and Fred was phenomenal. Um, and those two guys are tremendous NFL players. Fred's having a Pro Bowl type of a season. Kyle's been a Super Bowl starter and had a huge impact um, on one of the best teams in the history of the game, right? And so these guys are really reproductive, and they weren't – they're not just productive now. They were unbelievably productive – um, when they were here at BYU. Kyle Van Noy, I, we, we talked about it the other night on our Countdown to Kickoff show, but he just changed the game. He won that game in San Diego in the bowl game. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy yeah. what, what he did. And I've never seen a defensive player just single-handedly take over a game. And so then you take Danny Sorensen and Adam to that linebacking core at strong safety and how good he was here. Dan Daniel Sorensen may be the best special teams cover guy I've ever seen play at BYU all time, not just in the last 10 years. Um, and that's how he made it in the NFL. Now he's a starter at safety, but he made that team because of his special teams prowess. So, so I really, really like this this defense that you guys have put together, with particular high regard for. Uh, and this isn't taken away from Ziggy and what he's doing now. Um, he was just learning football when he was at BYU. He was like Michael Davis, where he looked at him and went, "Man, this guy's gonna be unbelievable." In the, in the pros, and if he had played football five years earlier, he would have been the most dominating defender BYU maybe ever had. But he was just learning how to play then. And it was at the end of his senior year that we went, whoa, this guy is ridiculous. He's a freak of nature. He's a freak among freaks, and he's been unbelievably productive in the NFL. So, so that defensive side of the ball, you take Ziggy, Danny, and that, that group of linebackers, um, man, it, that, that's a good-looking defense you guys have there. What's wild is a lot of these guys played together in 2012 and 13. Yeah, those, it's incredible. Those two defenses were unbelievable. And then you look at the offenses, it's young Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams kind of coming along, Cody yeah. Hoffman, pretty incredible. Yeah. And, and when I look over on the offensive side, um, there's some really solid offensive linemen. Um, I feel like BYU's offensive line prowess is coming coming back i think there's multiple nfl guys on the roster right now really is this the next moment where that, people that, say that you're crazy blaine brady christensen's an nfl guy okay 
He's an NFL guy. Um, he's just he's going to continue to gain weight. His feet are unbelievable. He's smart. He's physical. He's an NFL guy. Um, and, and I think he's going to play a long time in the NFL. And there's there's several others that are young, like freshmen. He's a sophomore, and I'm saying that, right? There's several other freshmen sophomore that's that I think are, okay, look out. Mark these guys. They could be. But they've got to have the mentality, and they've got to, you know, continue to get bigger and stronger. But, but there's, I believe from the group that's in this too deep right now on the offensive line that there's at least three NFL offensive linemen. Ooh. And has BYU had three NFL offensive linemen in the last ten years? No. And so I think that I think that that I think they've really done a great job of recruiting offensive linemen right now. Um, you know, Taysom on that offensive side has there been a more explosive player. The problem for Taysom is if Taysom could have stayed healthy his entire time, well, who knows what he could have done? Because we see him healthy in the NFL, and he's just like one of the more dominating players. He's a freak among freaks. The NFL is a league of freaks, and he's a freak amongst freaks, yes. right? Yeah. And so he was phenomenal when healthy, right? And Jamal, you know, Jamal got hurt and sat out a year and did all that too. Um, yeah, yeah, Jamal, when, when you had Taysom and Jamal – there were times when plays were not run right, when blocking wasn't there, and they still made plays out of them, right? Because they would just one-on-one -on -one just beat guys. <laughs> and it happened right there just around the corner. Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't block that guy? Don't worry about it. I got him. You know, and so – so, and you you can see how talented those two are um, by what they're doing and producing sure. in the NFL. And, you know, Cody Hoffman, you can't say enough about the all-time leading receiver. So, I, hey, there's great players across across the board on both sides. I think if I have to tilt it one side, I'm going to go on the defensive side just because of that great linebacking core, Danny Sorensen, Ziggy Bronson, who I think is a great I – mean, that defense is incredible that you guys Absolutely. put together. Absolutely. Okay, Blaine, you look at the all-decade, all 22 that we have compiled here – did we leave anybody out that deserves consideration? So we, we go back to the offensive line, um, and one of the guys that I think really unheralded, and probably because he just chose not to, I think he could be in the NFL right now, is Austin Hoyt. Okay. Who, who hmm. played four years. Remember, they started the guy as a 6'7", 6'8", 250-pound freshman, and he just kind of grew into the role. And by the time he was a senior, he was a 315-pound monster over there that was really talented and really skilled. Um, and a lot of – when the NFL scouts would come in, and I'd talk to him a lot when I'm at practice, they're always asking about him. And uh, and he just didn't have an interest in doing it. And that's fine, right? He wanted to move on with his life and be with family and do all that. Didn't want that life. I think if he wanted to and wanted to work at it and loved – you know, just was loved it and passionate about it, he, he has the skill set to play. So Austin – I would say is one. The other one I was thinking about is um, we forget about him because he was hurt so much, but Craig Bills was a phenomenal talent at safety. And when we had he and Danny on the field at the same time, come on. They were part of that defense. Yeah, that's, 2013. that's crazy. Yeah. But he had, he had the injuries, and so he was in and out. When healthy, he was an NFL type of a player. And there were, even though he went and got some tryouts, and then he had some more problems with his foot. And those NFL teams said, get healthy and come back, because we really think that you can play. And he never was able to get as healthy as he, as he wanted to be. But um, when he was healthy, he's as good as anybody we've had back there. And, and I, boy, so we... Because he wasn't healthy, we forget about him. But I think Craig Bills is a phenomenal talent at safety as well. We could throw in a long snapper and a holder too if you'd like. Yeah, you've to see seen it. that's the thing. You guys forget that there are more. You've, there's two starters on a team. It's you're an long, hour show. You're, you're, Blaine. Long, you're a long snapper, and I, I'm going to put Mitch Harris there because okay. not only does he, and he's the current guy, not only does he do a phenomenal job of snapping it, but he's a great cover guy as well. He's a really athletic long snapper, and he's been money on both and, and, and the short snaps. I put Mitch there. The holder's got to be Gavin. Come on. <laughs> oh, nepotism. <laughs> Wait, Come what on. other holder got credited by the head coach of winning a game? Gavin Bell. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Right? Right. And he's the only guy I know 
period that can hold for a right hander a right footer and a left footer. I, I mean, I can't do it. I never thought about that until we had this conversation. The recently. ambidextrous holder. So, and I can't remember who the lefty was back that you know a couple years ago, but but Ed Lamb said to Gavin, "Well, like we got to get somebody to hold for the left footers." And Gavin said, "I, I can do both." And Ed's like, "No, no, you can't do that." And Gavin's like, "Yeah, I can do it." And you got to think. Mitch Matthews was telling us that you want to catch the ball with your dominant hand. If you're right-handed, you're going to catch better with your right hand on yeah. top, right? And so if you're catching a long. If you're right-handed, you want to hold for a right-footed kicker. Your right hand's on top. That directs where you put the ball down, you put your finger on top, and then you rotate the ball with your dominant hand. So now you get to flip over on the other side and try it. I've tried it. I tried to hold for Lee Johnson. Can't do it. I cannot do it. Um, and so it's not an easy thing. So just because Gavin's the ambidextrous holder, and I don't know of any other holder that the head coach said he single-handedly won a big game against a ranked team on the road. We have to give the holder to Gav. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, let's end on that nepotistic note, albeit a good one. And also, there's not many people that can handle anything from Lee Johnson, for the record. <laughs> Coming up on our all-decade special, we dive into more of the details. This has been fun, hasn't it? So why would you go away? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is a go. A special all-decade edition of the show. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who, frankly, makes my BYU Sports Nation all-decade host team, Jerem Jordan. Thank you. Let's see. Let's name some of the other hosts. Uh, Jason Shepard, Johnny Linehan, Kevin Nixon. Tanner Mangum. Kyle Chilton. Johnny Linehan, you said already? Yes. Duff Tittle. Uh, David Nixon, one time. Blaine Fowler, Dave McCann. Okay, that's good that I made it. Kate Hansen. Kate Hansen. McLean. That's right. There have been some. Ben uh, Bagley has co-hosted. That's the producer even hosted. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, that's the list a notab- is up over ten. That's a notable list. I'm uh, happy just to be on the list. You're in, you're in my five. Thank you, Charles. You're, you're in my five. What was that like eight years ago? <laughs> that was so long ago. <laughs> Today we look at the best of the past decade in BYU football as we present officially our BYU Sports Nation. All-decade football team. Now, everyone knows that we've uh, got an extensive research team here. Oh, just a crack staff of 20-plus that have mm-hmm. scoured box scores and summaries and recaps. Something like that. Uh, yes, 20-plus, maybe minus 18 or something. But um, some very official closed-door balloting happened to discover the top players between 2010 and 2019, those 10 years, including the one that... Uh, has happened recently. Yes. We have scoured, and that's one of my favorite scoured. verbs. We have scoured the rosters over the last 10 years and determined this list based on the following criteria. One, accomplishments at BYU. Two, iconic BYU moments. And three, careers after BYU. So, so that, all that of matters. those things considered. That matters. Okay? All right. Jeremy, let's go ahead and start with the spotlight position in the game of football and Clearly, the spotlight at BYU, our all-decade QB1 is, not surprisingly, Taysom Hill. Okay, five seasons at BYU. It felt like two and a half. Uh, Only one was full, 13 games. It was 2013. In that season, he had the fifth most yards in total offense in BYU history. 
against seven Power 5 teams, by the way, as a sophomore. He played in 37 games, should have been 52-plus, 23-10 and 10 as a starter, 21-9 and nine in games he finished as a starter, and there wasn't a single game where he started and finished that BYU wasn't within two scores in. Never got blown out. That's the Taysom a, factor. That's a big deal to me. Almost 7,000 yards passing, passing 28-15 rushing. That's fifth at BYU. By the way, 470 yards taken away for sacks. He would have been almost the all-time leading rusher. Seriously. 9,744 total yards, fourth in BYU history in total offense. That's behind Detmer Hollenbeck and ahead of McMahon, Young, and Bosco. I rest my case. There was only one name that even came close to popping into that Heisman Trophy conversation at any moment over the last decade, and it was Taysom Hill, and well-deserved. He played the most Power 5 teams of any BYU quarterback, 16 games, Won eight of those, eight and eight, that's, as a starter against Power Five competition. That's a better percentage than BYU won under Lavelle, won under Bronco Mendenhall, and won under, under Kalani Satake. He was the best quarterback BYU's ha- had in the last decade. Now, you, if you're discussing him against John Beck and Max Hall and Jim McMahon and Steve Young and Titan, now it gets interesting. To me, the greatest athlete who played quarterback, even over Steve Young. Taysom Hill. Even over Steve Young. I believe that. Ty Detmer. Played 13 games against Power 5 competition. He won the Heisman Trophy. He was the best quarterback in the country, no doubt about it. Three wins, nine losses, one tie. That's tough. It's tough. This guy was supposed to go to Stanford, which is like the arch nemesis of BYU in recruiting and in the postseason right now. Utah is definitely the rival, but Stanford recently has given BYU so much trouble. This guy was going to go there. BYU is lucky that they got him, and he is an all-timer at BYU. Let's talk about the iconic moments for Taysom Hill. Yes. The game against Houston, over 400 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. That comes to mind, but it's not first for me. The hurdle is the moment for him, right? Iconic moments. And I'm just going chronologically. So I start back, even going back to 2012. Chronologically? This is an hour show. Even going back to 2012, when he came in to replace Riley Nelson at Boise State, puts BYU in position to win that game and ultimately a 7-6 loss, but then wins his first two starts. One of them is one of the best wins based on where the opponents finish uh, at the end of the season. Utah State, that they team finished, finished 16th. 16th. BYU and Taysom Hill in his second start beat that team. And his third start is Virginia, and BYU loses. But then he goes on a nice little run here, including Texas at home, 259 yards rushing, which was just unbelievable. It was bonkers. The white dude in the knee brace, right? They're still seeing ghosts in Austin. Yes, exactly. Texas, everybody in Texas knows who Taysom Hill is well before he was doing things for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, just an all-timer, iconic. 2016, he wasn't the same kind of player. I'm not sure if it was the offense, if it was him hesitant with the knee or whatnot, but by pro day of 2017, when he goes undrafted into the NFL, and now he's doing just amazing things with the Saints, he was incredible in pro day. He ran a 4-4, and he's like 220. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Um, It's been fun to see him at the next level excel because we knew he was an all-time athlete, an all-time player. It was just, it was fun to watch him. But what would have happened in 2014, and I've said this a bunch on the show, 2014 BYU's 4-0, they're ranked 19th, they're on the radar, Taysom Hill's getting some dark horse Heisman kind of conversation. That season was just starting. BYU only played three power fives, and they had already defeated two. They had Cal at the end of the schedule, who wasn't that good, ended up 5-7. and BYU's going to win 11 or 12 games in the regular season. And validate independence. Yes. And and BYU didn't play Utah. Maybe that's why, right? Uh, BYU struggled against the Utes, but I would have loved to see that. And see Taysom Hill with a full, flourishing career. 
we're now seeing it in the NFL, and I think a lot of us on the BYU side are thinking, this is cathartic for what we didn't see at BYU because he only played in 37 games, and it wasn't 13 a year for four years. He played on a broken foot against Nebraska. For the he whole third quarter. He played on a broken foot for an entire quarter. Oh, my gosh. He is Captain America. He is <laughs> Thor. He is Taysom Hill, and he is our all-decade QB1. Yes. Now about the guys that catch the ball. Let's talk about the wide receivers. I mean, uh, you look at the guys that we have here. Cody Hoffman, Mitch <laughs> Matthews, and Jordan Leslie. Yes, what, please. What a group. Yes, please. Okay, let's start with Mitch Matthews. You know how I feel about Mitch Matthews. I think he's the last great, great receiver that has played at BYU. Amen. We're still waiting for another talent like that. I don't know that we'll ever have a guy of his size do what he did. I think he's unique in that regard. Has BYU ever had a 6'6 guy that went and caught the fade like that? I don't think so. I think he's the best at that in BYU history. He was Taysom's favorite receiver, especially against Utah State. Good grief. Mitch Matthews had clearly iconic moments. How about the Hail Mary catch at Nebraska in the same game that Taysom Hill had to leave with a broken foot? Down to the goal line! I can hear the call. Great call by Sean McDonough. So good. Yeah. Mitch Matthews was so good. Top 15 in catches, yards, and touchdowns at BYU. Fantastic. Fifth in BYU history uh, with 24 touchdowns. Uh, 14th in yards, 12th in catches. His, uh, His... Final two games against Utah State, by the way. Listen to these numbers. Mm-hmm. 14 mm-hmm. catches, 275 yards, three touchdowns. Yep. Just dominated the Aggies. 20 touchdowns in the final two years. He became a very, very good receiver. I'm not going to use that word, but a Eat. very, a very, very good receiver. I think in, in the uh, pantheon of BYU receivers, you could argue that he's one of the elite receivers. I, I, what my argument with you with this was nationally – I don't think people nationally took it, and we're not going to have that debate now. But <laughs> Mitch Matthews was so good. Cody Hoffman, uh, so good. I think Cody Hoffman's the second-best receiver that BYU's ever had. All-time I, leading I think receiver. Austin Colley's the GOAT. Austin, uh, Cody passed Austin's numbers because he had an extra year. If Austin plays four years, no one touches these numbers for yes. a while. Um, the all-time leader in catches, yards, and TDs. 260, 36, 12, and 30. He had seven 100-yard uh, receiving games against Power 5 teams. Seven. His four games against Utah, 27 catches, 388 yards, and a touchdown. He had two 100-yard games against Utah. Cody Hoppin was really stinking good. Yes, and he had some of those unforgettable catches. He had a number two play on SportsCenter's Top 10 against Georgia Tech when he mosses that dude. I mean, just an unbelievable catch Okay, that he comes down with. Then the one-hander against Hawaii from Riley Nelson. So good. Yeah, Cody Hoppin made some incredible catches. Of course, New Mexico State was a terrible team, but he had a huge day against New Mexico State. And then we go to Jordan Leslie. He only played one season at BYU. Jam, he makes this list, though. But he made his mark. He was an overnight fan favorite. Yes, and we had a long discussion about whether Mitchell Jurgens would be on this list over Jordan Leslie or not. We ultimately went with Jordan Leslie. Mitchell, don't hate. Uh, Jordan Leslie, the one year, but it was a good year, 2014. 55 catches, 779 yards, six touchdowns on a sprained ankle. Had four for 135 against Utah State. And then against Cal, Jared Goff didn't go to a bowl game that year, his sophomore year, I believe. Because five, of Jordan Leslie. Five for 155. He was good, made an immediate impact, transferred from UTEP. BYU needed him. He added to a good receiving core already. BYU had lost Cody Hoffman. Jordan Leslie occupied that space with Mitch Matthews on that team. It might have only been one game, but Jordan Leslie got himself into a regular season NFL game and produced one of the catches of the year in the NFL. 
Yeah. So we did, and he's a guy that at least got into a game, yep. right? Um, Mitch Matthews uh, was on some practice squads and whatnot, almost got into a game a couple times. Cody Hoffman, I don't think, got into a game either. So BYU has struggled at this position to get guys in the NFL, but these three were awesome at BYU. If and I had it, to put somebody in the slot of those three, it probably would be Jordan Leslie just based on size because you have Cody Hoffman and Mitch Matthews on the outside. But yeah, Mitchell Jurgens is an interesting conversation there if you want to go the New England Patriots route or the Indianapolis Colts route with right. Peyton Manning when they're throwing to guys like Brandon Stokely and Julian, Julian Edelman. Edelman. Right. Yeah, Danny Amendola. Like mm-hmm. Mitchell Jurgens would be that guy for BYU. Yeah, a classic token short white guy. Come on. <laughs> Come on. We can do better. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on this May 30th. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard. Let's talk to some guys that qualified for nationals after being in Sacramento at the uh, NCAA West uh, preliminaries. Uh, we're going to talk to... Uh, Brandon Garnica and Cameron Bates of Springville and Spanish Fork, respectively. I, I lived in these cities. We know people, and they said, what's up, guys? Congratulations on qualifying, and uh, welcome you. to the studio. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Okay, let's start with you, Cameron, in the mm-hmm. Javelin. Uh, you're the all-time leader in BYU history. You're headed to nationals. Yeah. Uh, what was your uh, West qualifying like, and uh, what's it like to make nationals again, man? Yeah, no, it, it was good. I was excited about making it in. Um, top six places are in the last flight at nationals, so it was good that I made it into the Top six. It wasn't my best performance, but hopefully we're saving that for nationals. What about you, Brandon? Talk to talk to us about uh, about your performance and, and continuing on. <laughs> yeah, so I was able to qualify in the 10K. Um, top 12 is the qualifying mark out of 48. Uh, cruised in through 10th, so put the least amount of work in and leaving the rest of it for nationals. <laughs> what is that like? Because yeah, you don't want your like you said, Cameron. You don't want your best performance per se there, but you need to be better than certain people in the field. So how do you sort of manage that from a, okay, how hard do I throw this? Right. So I think it's different in the 10K because you can kind of gauge as you're going along. Yeah. So javelin, you're, you just have three attempts, which is half the normal attempts you'd have. So you're going for it in javelin because you can't really like pick and choose where it's going to end up. So I, don't, I guess I don't have that benefit that Brandon <laughs> had. But. Yeah. I just got to chuck this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, um, how was it, by the way, as we look at some of the video? How was yeah. the weather? How was the situation? Oh, no, it was nice. I mean, a couple years ago, we were in Texas, A&M. So College Station, a lot hotter, Human. more muggy. Yeah. So the weather was great. Um, it was good. It was a good competition. I love throwing there. That's the second time I've been there. So it was good. What's the prep like for something like this? Because obviously you guys – in this program, you guys go in, and you know what this program has done in, in this sport. So you go in with pretty high expectations. Mm-hmm. How, how do you prepare for, for the season, but obviously the end of the season with what you're doing now? Yeah, um, Ed Eystone has really critiqued a nice workout plan for us that involves peaking at nationals. Yeah. Um, but a little bit of that also is about qualifying, because that's a big thing. You can't peak at nationals if you don't go. So a lot of our work is... Um, tapering for the national meet and then going into that 10K as smooth as possible and feeling as best as we can so that way we can get through and go to nationals. So you and Casey Kling qualified, right, in the 10K? Yeah. What's, what's the goal at nationals now in, in, in a race that BYU has had great success in? Mm-hmm. My personal goal is the podium, uh, but then my big hairy goal is top five. Um, I really want to go out with a bang for my senior year, and I think top five is, is if everything goes right and I'm feeling amazing, then that's what I want to hit. Ranked 11, so you certainly have a shot, right? Um, 
couple years ago, I believe Connor Mance won this, right? Uh, yeah. The national championship. Obviously, the cross country um, is strong at BYU. The distance is strong. What's it like to sort of be a part of the program where it's like, hey, we're expected to be awesome? Um, it's nice just knowing that you have teammates that have been at that caliber, uh, especially Connor Mance. He's won the NCAA cross country championship twice. Yep. And then Clayton Young actually won back in 2019 at Austin, where we're going to this year. So Good vibes. Um, there's good vibes going into this meet. <laughs> And I'm sure Ed is hoping that we can replicate that again this year. Um, but it, it, it gives a lot of confidence to me that uh, I've had the same workouts with these athletes and that I know that it's, the potential is there. So, All right, so Cameron, we were, we were talking, uh, you're good friends with, with Jaron Hall. You've known the Hall family for a really long time, went to school. Yeah. And so if you had to throw a football or Jaron had to throw a javelin, who would do a better job? Oh man, we've talked about this a lot. <laughs> um, no, we've had this like ongoing conversation about doing a football toss. Like I always backed him up. Well, I didn't back him up. I was a quarterback JV and stuff growing up. Okay. So I, I know how to throw a football. It's not a pretty spiral or anything, <laughs> but I like to think uh, my football toss would look better than his javelin toss. Nice, yeah, so, I, I like that, I yeah. like that. What's your goal at Nationals? You're ranked seventh in the country right now. You certainly yeah. have a chance to be on the podium right. as well. Um, yeah, the goal is to win. In Javelin, all of us are within a couple meters of each other, so it's going to come down to who has the best day. So for me, I just if I have, like we were talking about in break, if I have my good meet at Nationals, I have a shot to win, so that's going to be the goal. And then if you don't reach that, you'll end up somewhere you know, among the, the top. So that's the goal. Does humidity in Austin yeah. uh, next weekend affect uh, javelin in a significant um, way? I don't think it affects like the throw or your grip itself. Or anything? No, not really. What it affects is just how fatigued you feel. Mm. So, probably hit the sauna a few times this week, get myself acclimated as much as I can, and then just go for it. So, we had to meet there earlier in uh, March, I think, this year. So, been out there once, feeling comfortable. So, just give it a go. Did Did you go to that as well, Brandon? That That meet at Texas? No. But a couple – have you been there before? Yeah, so I've been there back in 2019. 19, okay. So you guys have been on the track, you know. Right. Okay, yeah. And it's interesting because it's a nice view of downtown there. It's yeah, it's nice beautiful. Campus. Yeah, that's that'll, cool. That'll be fun. So, Brandon, you're, you're a twin, is that right? That's correct, so, yeah. Yeah, so you have a brother that runs at Utah State, is that right? Yeah, I actually have two. I have a younger and my twin up there. Oh, okay. So, all right, so, so twin. Now, I'm not a twin, but my dad is a twin. So I, I, know, I know how close twins are. It, was it was – it, was it difficult to go to two different places after spending, I'm going to assume, as close as twins usually are, your entire life to that point together? Yeah, it, it wasn't that difficult. Um, I think my brother and I are fraternal twins, so we're not as connected ah, as identical twins. Gotcha. Like the set of twins we have on the team, which is Davin and Creed Thompson yeah. and uh, Jacob and Garrett Stanford. Those guys are twins as twins can be. Uh, <laughs> but my brother and I are more kind of individual people that were born on the same day, as I would say. But yeah, it wasn't that hard. Hey, at least you always at least you always have a uh, a training partner, right? If you need it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Thompsons. You want to go? Does yeah, he, by the go. way, does he do the same events that you do? He does. Yeah. He also does long distance and cross country. Oh, nice. Who's older? I am. Okay. Oh, yeah. older. but he has the leadership. But he's taller, so he's got <laughs> oh, that on me. Okay. Would you rather be older or taller? Uh, I'd be older. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Do you have um, ambitions after to continue doing this? Yeah, I'd love to go pro. Um, Right now, I don't have any setup, uh, but I will probably continue still running and do some road races with Connor Mance in the future. Awesome. That's cool. And then, Cameron, do you want to keep doing this after? Is there a hope there? Yeah. No, so next year is the Olympic year. It's my last year of eligibility, so the plan is to uh, try and make that Olympic team. I was 14th, I think, at the 2020 trial, so 
up my standing there and then just see after college what you know what's in store for me so what's that like to go to the trials and like be top 15 like that no it was cool it was it was kind of surreal because i went onto the practice track and i was warming up before i threw and i was running next to like justin gatlin and guys i've seen on tv and i was like oh my gosh like i'm taller than him one and two like (laughs) it's just crazy to see him in real life and so it was a cool experience so hopefully next time we go back and more prepared and can do a little bit better. We had Sierra on the show last week talking with her from Sacramento. Um, We were talking to her about the the, the jump to Big 12 and and, you know the program going to that. What's your guys' thoughts on on the program making that jump? I'll let you go. I guess you're not going to be here but. Yeah Uh, unfortunately I won't be able to call or uh, compete in it but I know that Ed has put put a big importance on it because we can be one of the first teams that could actually win a Big 12 title. Um, in BYU, uh, we have a really good shot uh, at doing that. We have a really deep cross-country team, and we have a really amazing track team in the spring. Um, but that's he seems really confident, and he wants to do that. And so I, we're looking forward to that. I know the younger guys below me are really excited to go out and do a conference championship and, and win some 5K, 10Ks, steeple, and 1500s, and 800s. Yeah, I think cross-country will be the first to win it. Uh, I think on the calendar, it's first. It's, uh, this is a, a cross-country school. Yeah, you know there's a track school. Like, there's a lot of sports I kid, uh, but yeah, cross country is gonna bring it right away. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's been pretty good. Oklahoma yep. State's been pretty good, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the game, man. Out of the game. Who's a better golfer between you and Jaren? By the way, oh, <laughs> we actually have a. Uh, once he's done with OTAs, we're gonna have a tournament between me and him and a couple of our buddies. So I'll let you know in a month or two. <laughs> but right as it stands right now, he practices more than I do, so probably him. Yeah, right yes, now. and for some reason, quarterbacks are good. They are. Man. Maybe it's you being a former quarterback. Yeah, well, I can hit it far, it's just not straight. So <laughs> got to work the kinks out. Do you, so. you have any good Jaron stories since you grew up with him? Uh, Anything that he would be okay with you? Yeah, I was gonna say. Shoot. <laughs> um, no, I mean just classic stuff, hanging out with the the boys and stuff. But when it comes to athletics, he was just always, you know, whether it was basketball or football or whatever it was, just the same poised guy you get you see now. It was the, it's the way it's always been. So always been that leader and so it was cool to grow up with him and some of my other buddies now all playing college sports professional sports been kind of cool to see but yeah he's for sure he's always been that guy definitely Uh, that's what I was gonna ask was he always like dialed in because he's very locked in Kalen got him locked in from when he was a little guy yep Kalen's very (laughs) the whole family absolutely awesome well Brandon and Cameron uh congratulations and best of luck at nationals next week in Austin thanks for coming in thank you thank you all the karma we can give you we give you good luck (laughs) appreciate it we'll need it (laughs) thank you okay up next uh rise and shout to some cougars breaking records on the track we talked about these guys the ladies bringing up breaking records as well we'll tell you about it coming up after the break the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It goes on demand as well on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Now for the most valuable player of our all-decade BYU football team. Jeremy, I know how much you love to define 
the term value and MVP. So let's do it. And may I present on the offensive side of the ball, even though he could probably play at a high level on both sides of the ball, Taysom Hill as the offensive MVP. This one feels super obvious, right? He was the best player BYU had in the last decade, I would argue overall. So dynamic. We outlined it earlier, but such a game changer. Unfortunately, did not play a full career. Uh, Played at least a game in five seasons. But had we seen Taysom Hill full bore, everyone gets hurt, right? But no one gets hurt for season-ending injuries. We would have seen one of the greatest college football players perhaps of the last 10 or 20 years, right? He was that good. I hate that we have to have that conversation. What if Taysom Hill had stayed healthy? It's a huge storyline. I know. I know. But so many unfortunate and season-ending injuries, and yet he still is the MVP because of what he was actually able to accomplish in spite of those injuries. Yeah, 2013, he has a full season. The year before, he starts two games, which, by the way, people forget, the first play with Taysom Hill as a collegian was an 18-yard touchdown pass, not run, against Washington State and Mike Leach in 2012. 2014, jumps out 4-0. The Utah State game happens. Uh, 2015 plays the one game. 2016 plays 12 games. Didn't quite finish that one either. All right, on the defensive side, straight out of Reno, Nevada, Poinsettia Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion, Kyle Van Noy. Oh, so good. Just the fourth quarter, 2012 Poinsettia Bowl just encapsulates his career. Playmaker, he drove coaches insane, specifically Kelly Papinga. What is he doing? Yelling in the press box. Stay in your assignment! And then he'd make a sack or a tackle for loss or a pass breakup or an interception or a forced fumble or a blocked punt or something, right? Just, just. Van Noyed the opponents, as our graphic says. How many players single-handedly won a game by themselves? Kyle Van Noy can make a case, did it against Mississippi in the first game of Independence, and then he did it at the end of 2012. When the defense stunk, what did they do? They said, hey, Kyle, go make a play. Uh, Quick story, Kyle Van Noy said to himself on the sideline before that fourth quarter, well, I'm just going to have to go win this game. And he did. And he did. Our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, we ran out of time, and you weren't in this decade either. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. And he just missed it, didn't he? Luckily. <laughs> For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to KOKL Aluhi. He's still celebrating in the end zone. Go Cougs! BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps, or listen to the podcast. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, and review. Time for Top 5 Tuesday, and we're going with an opponent's plays against BYU. But it's Keaton Slovis in 2019 for USC. He won that game 30-27 in OT. Number 5, Slovis' 15-yard bullet pass to Tyler Vaughn. It's only his second collegiate start ever. Opening drive of the game, facing pressure from Kairos Tonga. Was able to get it out in time for the first down. Tonga actually uh, kind of touched Slovis' eye on the first drive. (laughs) Tonga told me he felt bad. Many first downs to come from Keaton Slovis. Yes, but not enough. Uh, Number four, third down and five. A little scramble conversion into the red zone. Down seven with five minutes left in the second. Finds Tyler Vaughn again for 11 yards. USC scored on the next play. Vaughn's, I believe, is in the USFL. Number three, an eight-yard touchdown pass to Michael Pittman Jr., who is in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts, still the first drive of the game. Slovis' first touchdown at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and certainly not the last. Uh, Pittman caught 11 touchdowns from Slovis that 
season. Quite the combination. Number two, 60-yard pass on the run to Eric Kramenhoek. Set up USC in the red zone to tie the game at 10. His longest pass, by the way, not this one of his career. He had a 95-yard TD pass against Arizona later in the season. And the number one Keaton Slovis play against BYU is the 30-yard touchdown pass to Michael Pittman in the fourth quarter. Game tied, 17-17, 10 minutes left. Slovis threw the ball to his favorite target in the corner of the end zone. The play went under further review before, went to AFR actually, uh, before the call was confirmed. Touchdown for USC. Slovis finished the day 24 of 34 for 281 and two touchdowns. Pittman actually had another touchdown in this game, but they reviewed it and then called it off. Yet, that was in his highlight reel in the draft. <laughs> I remember seeing that and thinking, that wasn't a touchdown catch. Why are we showing this? Yeah. But it was a, a great ability uh, there. So, Keaton Slovis as a freshman led the country in completion percentage about 71%. We're hoping that that version of Keaton can return healthy and yep. in a system that uh, serves his ability. Little did we know that the quarterbacks that day on both sides would be Cougars. One was a Cougar in Zach Wilson, the other about to be. We didn't know that Zach would turn into number two pick. <laughs> we didn't know the slowest would be. You never know how life yeah, turns out. Pretty up. crazy. Our question of the day, did BYU upgrade its running back room from last season? Christopher Ward on Facebook. I would say so. The point is Robbins is a bigger version of Chris Brooks. Ropati's super shifty. Davis deserves his shot to show what he can do. We are better than people think coming into this year. We lost some great guys to the NFL, but I think we will surprise a lot of people, including our own fans this year. We will be fine. Elite Voice of the Day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated at J underscore Royal 09 on Twitter. If Robbins and Smith stay healthy, it'll be an effective combo similar to Algier and Katoa. Not to mention Ropati's breakout towards the end of last season makes me feel better about the running back room this year. You feeling the same way? Oh, I, I didn't feel, and I said this at the beginning of the show, I, I didn't look at it as a, as a room or a position that needed significant upgrades. So the fact that you get a guy like Deion Smith to come in and add that to Aiden Robbins and the other guys that we mentioned, love it. Chances were BYU is going to get someone from Colorado. Right. Uh, given the <laughs> they were all in the portal. And Deion chances. Smith is the guy. We're excited about it. Yeah. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Congratulations to everyone with track and field, but especially the 4x100 and the 4x400 teams who not only qualified, they broke school records in the process. You think about all the great runners at BYU. Distance and now sprinting. Yep. He was doing some work. Congratulations to those record-breaking performances. It seems like every year we do, we're just waiting for the record to be broken. You yes, know? I love it. Uh, thanks to today's guests, Caleb Etienne, Brandon Garnica, and Cameron Bates. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. For, De uh, for Dennis. Sorry, Dennis. No time for you. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Howard Ringwood. Go Cougs! The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, May 30th. Hopefully you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I'm Jerem Jordan. He is yard sale aficionado, Jason Shepard. Oh my goodness, what a find over the weekend. Not by me, unfortunately. If I had found this... Are you a yard sale guy, by the uh, way? No, not really. Not really. But I do drive by slow just to like quickly see if there's anything that catches my eye. Yard sale drive-by guy? Uh, yeah, like I, I don't usually stop at yard sales. 
<laughs> but a, a BYU fan over the weekend found one of the best finds ever. I, I think it might be the greatest BYU yard sale find of all time. Amber Roberts on Twitter put out that she found this at a yard sale, the vintage chair from the 80s uh, Lavelle Edwards era. Look at that chair. The, the football helmet chair. It. Now, do we find out how much she paid for this? $100. $100. Would you pay $100 for that? I'd pay a lot more than $100. Yes, I would for that. too. Yes. Yes. I would I would pay double that to get that chair. I would pay more than In fact, that. if there's somebody out there that has those chairs that are willing to sell them, I I may you, buy them. You would from, buy, would if you you're buy interested in Amber? selling those, I may buy them. Oh, okay. Get if, after, there, get if there after are it, any, if there are any other of those chairs Amber, available, Chip will buy it from you. <laughs> those are awesome. Can those you imagine awesome. having that like in your basement? I can. I have a Smithfield no, I mean, set of okay, chairs let me, let me and a Marriott Center chair. Can you imagine having those in my basement? No. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me to help you move it in. <laughs> I'll just get the Elder's Quorum. It's fine. <laughs> They're free. <laughs> Sign the waiver. Oh, boy. On today's show, we will look at BYU's running back room. Is it better than last year? Hmm. Already comparing, and we haven't even got to the season. New Cougar offensive lineman Caleb Etienne stops by Studio B. Why did he leave Oklahoma State for BYU? We'll find out. And Brandon Garnica and Cameron Bates from Men's Track and Field join us as they prepare for Nationals. Plus, the top five plays from Keaton Slovis against BYU. Oh, yeah, we're that's, going there. That's a weird one. That's All weird rise one. and shout. It's time for What's Trending. <laughs> What's Trending is presented by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Football adds Colorado's leading rusher, Deion Smith, to the running back room. What kind of player is he? How does the running back room look now? And did BYU upgrade from last year? We'll discuss all three of those, but let's start with who Deion Smith is as a player, and what do you think, Chip? Uh, I, I like him as a player. He was Colorado's leading rusher last year. Didn't put up huge numbers. Yep. At Colorado, but I like the fact that he was the team's leading rusher. He knows what it's like to to be the guy that that leads a running back room. Now, obviously, I don't think he comes in with that um, with that type of goal here at BYU. I think that's going to fall to Aiden Robbins. But I do like, and, and quite frankly, this was not. And we had sort of talked about this last week when Dave and I were talking about the wide receivers. Now BYU's brought in several wide receivers. I didn't necessarily look at the wide receiver room as like something that really needed to be upgraded significantly. So this, to me, it was like, wow, you're getting this type of talent to come into a group that I, I thought was pretty good going in. Uh, certainly didn't have a go-to guy, but I certainly liked it. Kind of look at it the same way with the running back. Once you had Aiden Robbins in. And knowing what you have behind him, which we'll get into in a second, I really liked what BYU had on the ground. Then to bring in a guy like Dion from Colorado, not that one, Coach Prime is what he likes to be called. Uh, I, I like adding that type of talent to this to this group. Yeah, it's it's good to have him. Uh, six uh, foot one ninety from Houston, um, thirty four career games. He has one year of eligibility. He's been in the fight. He's played Power Five football, right? Um, not, not massive career numbers, 653 yards, four touchdowns, um, has 20 grabs for 133 as well. 
Last year had a great game against Arizona State, 24 carries, 111 yards. I like that. Coming out of high school, pretty good. Number 52 running back in the country, 10-6 guy in the 100, so he's got some speed. He's, he's one of the more experienced guys in the room, yeah. which is good. you got Aiden Robbins, fourth-year player in college. His play, you know, two years at Louisville, the one year at UNLV. Deion Smith, Hinkley Ropati, Miles Davis. All these guys are fourth- or fifth-year guys. And then, of course, L.J. Martin is a top 300 guy nationally. Yeah. We're excited about. So that's good. Running back, I felt like needed one more piece. I, I want to say like four or five weeks ago, I was like, I still would like one more experienced guy there. Because Hinkley, Ropati, and Miles Davis have shown flashes of brilliance. Certainly, Miles Davis' game against Wyoming was awesome. Hinkley, Ropati showed us some real the presence Boise game. in the screen game specifically, <laughs> especially against Boise State, like you mentioned. But having another guy who you can be like, Listen, if we're struggling, and, and listen, Aiden Robbins is a big dude, 6'3", yeah. 230. There's going to be moments where he's going to get some tough yards. There will be moments where on first and 10, he's getting seven yards. But it's nice to have a change of pace guy and a guy who's been experienced and in Power 5 football. You, you need that. BYU is encountering a challenge it has never had. Therefore, it needs more depth at positions where maybe you thought, ah, we're good. But it's like you can always add. Yeah. Guys, like we've seen at receiver, obviously, at offensive line, I feel like BYU's added probably more guys than maybe they need. But you just don't know what it's going to be like in terms of injuries and or ineptitude at certain positions with certain people. So I like this because this group now looks more experienced and more interesting. Yet, in Power 5 football, there's not a guy that is proven to do a ton. So they will get that opportunity. Aiden Robbins didn't really play at Louisville. Uh, Deion Smith, yes, was the leading rusher, but hasn't had a 500-yard season, right. for example. I think the hope is that Aiden Robbins can approximate 1,000, and then these other guys can be several hundred-yard guys. I think Deion Smith, you probably pencil him in right now as the number two. Yeah, That will play itself out sure. in fall camp, certainly. And then you can bring L.J. Martin along, which uh, he could be the back of the future. We'll see. Look, I, I'm going in, and I... It, I I'm going to assume Aiden Robbins is also expecting to be at least a 1,000-yard rusher. I, I, I'm going into this season. We know how talented this guy is. We saw what he did at UNLV last year. I think coming to BYU and playing behind this offensive line, I love what BYU's done on the offensive line. I, I think, obviously, it goes hand-in-hand hand with your running backs because, mm -hmm. obviously, you know those two have to work in tandem for, for both to be successful. I, I love the idea of Aiden Robbins running behind this offensive line. And, and so I, I'm going in 1,000 yards, absolutely. That's what I expect from this guy because we know, he, number one, he can do it, but I love his talent. His size and what he can do, watching the highlights of him and his speed at that size, that's what makes it so fun to think about what he could do in this offense. He's a big dude, and he's going to get a chance to, uh, to run against some big dudes yeah. too in the Big 12. So let me ask you this, which is our question of the day. Has BYU upgraded the running back room from last year? It's always so difficult to answer that. No, declare on May 3rd. <laughs> like it's, I, I'm going to say right now, gut reaction says, yeah, I think they did. Why is that? When I look back at last year's running game, and you put out a tweet earlier today that I think I'll talk about pretty it. much encapsulates kind of what I thought. Mm -hmm. You don't look at last year's, when you immediately think of last year's running game, you don't necessarily think, wow, what a great ground game BYU had. But then when you look at the numbers, especially the yards per carry, they were better than you, they think. Were better than you think. 
But I still look at, at the production that the other players, Robbins had, and again, bringing in Deion Smith. I do like what Hinkley showed. And, and you know, the others, Miles Davis, we know what he can do. It's, it's matter volume. staying healthy. Yeah, yeah matter staying healthy. Yep. I, I think if you're just going off of what we've seen from previous production, coming here in sort of forecasting that they can do better here than maybe at their previous place, then, yeah, I think they probably upgraded. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, our stat of the day sort of illustrates it uh, a little bit. Here we go. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. So BYU's top two rushes last year with Chris Brooks and Lopini Catella. They're both gone, um, graduated. They combined for 1,149 yards, 5.35 per carry. The top two guys, we think, in terms of experience um, and uh, production that come in, Aiden Robbins from UNLV, Deion Smith from Colorado, combined for 1,404 yards, 6.5 yards per carry. So just, you can't just look at that number yeah. and say, hey, they got better. But it's also the idea that you that you added uh, the experience of Ropati and Davis. You add a top 300 kid at running back. When's the last time BYU brought in that kind of talent out of high school in, in LJ Martin? You got, uh, you know, Hello Nuku Luve off a of mission. Soljay Maiava Peters is this intriguing utility piece. He can be used in so many different receiver. ways. In spring, they were using him in a unique yes. amount of ways. He can show up at quarterback suddenly. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's hard to know exactly, but I think in terms of overall talent, I would say yes. Like Aiden Robbins comes in having rushed for 1,000 yards uh, somewhere, which is good. Um, and and to, to the tweet I put out this morning, minimum 100 carries in a season in BYU history. Only seven dudes have averaged six yards or more. Chris Brooks did that last yeah. year. Like, I, I think he had a better year than we think. Did he struggle in third and fourth and short at times? Yes. Yeah. But overall, 6.3 a carry is incredible. I mean, you're talking about Pete Van Valkenburg, who led the country in rushing in 72. Casey Tiamalu, uh, Tiamalu, excuse me, was better than you think in 82 and 83. Chris Brooks is there. Then it's Tyler Algier in 2020 and Luke Staley's Doak Walker award-winning 2001. It was better than we thought. I also think this upcoming season you will need to rely on the running backs more because you are not going to have a quarterback in Keaton Slovis that can run like we've seen Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson be able mm. to do. I'm not saying he can't run or that he's not mobile, but I, I think he'll run less than they I think did. he will. I, I don't think they will have him in as many running situations as we saw. And, and granted, la, even last year, Jaron wasn't in a ton of running situations based off of maybe what Trying we expected healthy. going into the season. Plus, I also think he want, they wanted him to be able to showcase what he could do with his arm for the NFL. Yes. Uh, Aaron Roderick, in not-so-settled terms, and Kelly Papinga said in spring, hey, Keaton's a better runner than you think. He is, yes. But, but, but I agree they're yeah. not going to run yes. as much as Zach and Jaron did. All right, topic number two. Uh, ESPN is expected to announce their TV schedule for the first three weeks of the upcoming college okay. football season tomorrow. Yes. It's happening. It's all happening. So let's have some fun and try and uh, predict what BYU's TV schedule will look like in games one, two, and three to begin the year. What, what do you expect when that announcement comes out tomorrow? Okay, first off, Big 12 deal now is Fox and ESPN. So that could be Fox, FS1, in theory FS2, hopefully not. FS3? Does that uh, even exist? That doesn't exist. Okay. Uh, then, of course, you have ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN... Plus. Plus. Okay, ESPN, BYU fans, again, we'll say it. We're going to scream it from the rafters. you got to have ESPN Plus to watch Cougar Sports, uh, football, men's basketball, and all the other stuff. Okay, first game, Sam Houston. Um, looking at the compelling Mountain and Pacific time zone games that could 
battle with this. Boise State at Washington is interesting. Coastal Carolina at UCLA is interest, uh, interesting. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, because Sam Houston, because new FBS team. Listen, if BYU goes with that late slot, 10-20 Eastern, that opens up possibilities of always being linear. Linear right. meaning not streamed. It's at least ESPNU to me. It might be ESPN Plus, okay. but I'm hoping it's like a late ESPN2 kind of game. Although you have USC hosting Nevada, yeah. you have UCLA, as I mentioned, hosting Coastal, Washington as well. So there could be some conflicts there with ESPN and ESPN2. But I'm thinking at least ESPNU, late window. If it's ESPN Plus, I wonder if those uh, kind of games still will slot late. Right. Or because it's streamed and it's not going head-to-head in a linear slot, if ESPN will say, no, you're good to go at 1 p.m. Mountain yeah. Time if you want. I'm interested to see that. What do you think week one? I think week one, I I am going in, and I'll, I'll jump to week two because I think it's the same argument for both. Okay. I'm expecting ESPN Plus for both in the afternoon. Mm. With the pos- but they're not in the afternoon. The, they are, and they could but be. Now they there will be more be. in the afternoon than what we're used to. <laughs> Just I, the first two weeks in my I'm, I'm expecting both ESPN Plus in the afternoon with the caveat that one could certainly shift to later in the evening. Now, I agree with you. If it goes to later in the evening, then you open up possibly a linear spot. But I'm going in assuming that the first two games of the season will be streamed ESPN+. Okay, Arkansas. Um, 13 of the last 18 games, that is the last three years, have been between 11 and 3 p.m. for the Razorbacks. Mm -hmm. The chances of this game being... Uh, an afternoon game are really high. Right. Um, it screams SEC Network. Um, but we'll see if there's kind of an ESPNU, ESPN2 slot mm-hmm. in there. Again, it depends what other compelling and rich matchups exist, but um, at, at, it's going to be on the ESPN family of networks, and it's going to be linear. There's no way to yep. me that one is ESPN. I agree with you. I think it's going to be an afternoon game, and I'm anticipating ESPNU. They kind of go 11 a.m. Yes. Or 3. That's 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 local time two bigger programs. Obviously, you're dealing with the SEC. You're dealing with BYU's brand. Plus, now in the Big 12, I I think that deserves linear. A non-conference Power Five. Exactly. Matchup yes. Is, is yes. Nice. I I think that is an afternoon on ESPNU. Okay. Yeah. Are, is BYU getting the ESPN treatment on these first three? Probably not. But once they get into uh, conference play. Depending on the time slot, again, BYU's in a great spot being in the mountain time zone and on the west uh, side of the country to get more of those kind of late games. That's just how it is, homies. If you're not used to it already, uh, where were you during Independence? (laughs) Okay, our question of the day is this. Did BYU upgrade its running back room from last season? Mark Stevens on Facebook. Without a doubt, 100% yes. Christopher Brooks was not disappointing, but he was underwhelming coming off the season. Tyler Algier had the year before. Literally anyone would have been disappointing coming off the Tyler Algier year, by the way, which would be hard for any back to follow. Yep. But Robbins is a legit NFL back. Okay. Deion Smith is a proven power five back. LJ Martin is the future of the running back room. Ropati has become a very valuable depth piece. The running back room is definitely Big 12 and P5 ready. Certainly got better with Deion yeah. Smith. I think that was a good move. They needed it. Absolutely. All right. Join us as we take a look back at one of the best teams in BYU football history. A team that featured Steve Young at quarterback and a 12-game winning streak that helped build the momentum into BYU's national championship season. The 1983 Reviewables, a BYU Sports Nation special coming your way this Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and 
and listen on BYU Radio. Steve Young himself weighs in on the 83 versus 84 is the best team in BYU history conversation. Coming up, offensive tackle Caleb Etienne is in the house. Why do you end up in Provo and what does he expect this year? And BYU in the Big 12 as he knows. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. September 23rd, BYU's first game in the Big 12 in football is in Lawrence, Kansas against the Jayhawks. Jeremy Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Let's now preview that matchup in all things Kansas with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on BYU Sports Nation. Brian, we're excited to have you on the program. Talks Kansas football and maybe a little basketball as well. Yeah. Hey, Jerem. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Great to have you guys coming into the league. We were just talking off the air. I think in all sincerity of the four schools coming in, I'm most excited about BYU from your national brand and reputation to the chance to see such a beautiful place like Provo on a regular basis. All four schools are great additions, but I'm probably most excited about BYU for sure. Brian, paint a picture for us. September 23rd, BYU is in your stadium. It's the first Big 12 game for the Cougars. We anticipate a lot of BYU fans finding their way into that place. What kind of environment can the Cougars expect? Well, Dave, if you asked that question a year ago, I'd probably give you a very different answer. <laughs> but uh, for the first time in 14 years, we were bowling again. And uh, for the first time ever, Kansas and David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium hosted ESPN College Game Day. And it was the fourth most watched College Game Day atmosphere and environment in the history of the show so jayhawk fans showed up in droves like any great school or program if you build the winner they will come and when we were down and out for over a decade attendance was sparse but lance leipold has this program on the rise no doubt and consequently you know the fan base the 12th man is piling on board as well they're actually in the midst of renovating Kansas Memorial Stadium, and uh, it's a whole 11th and Mississippi project, which is the intersection that the, the campus uh, entrance and, and stadium is located at. So when you see it for the first time, it won't be what it will be in a couple of years, but change is coming for the first time in about 100 years to that stadium, and we're really excited about a state-of-the-art facility that will be here very soon for Kansas football and the atmosphere to back it up with a winning program that's only been to back-to-back -back bowl games once in its history, but that's what they're setting out to do next season with a quarterback in Jalen Daniels that we feel is a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender and, and a program that returns all of their assistant coaches. Forget this, guys. The first time in 20 years we've had every assistant wow. coach come back. That's the revolving door it had been with head coaches and assistants. But right now you've got a culture that's being built, coaching and player continuity, unlike we've had since the Orange Bowl era back in 2007. And that makes for a pretty excited fan base, too. And, and I'd like to think it makes for a pretty challenging Big 12 opener for BYU. But obviously in this league, they're all tough. But uh, the days of going to Kansas and just chalking up a win based on the down-and-out Jayhawks are definitely over and very much in the rearview mirror. There are no gimmies. That was the, that. what we thought was a, a gimme before. It's like, hey, at Kansas, that's what. Nope, that's not a gimme. And like you mentioned, Jalen Daniels, tremendous, led the Big 12 in yards per attempt, 18 touchdowns, only four picks passing, ran for 400 yards and seven scores. What kind of difference can he make? Because obviously 5-0 and when he's the starter gets hurt in that sixth game and kind of the season takes a, a tailspin after that. 
Is he good enough to single-handedly get Kansas back to a bowl game? I think he is. I think he's a future pro. I think he is everything you want your quarterback to be. He's got a big-time next-level arm. He's got the escapability and mobility when the play breaks down to make things happen with his feet. And he's got charisma, and it's just a natural leader, both by example and vocally, that you want as the face of the franchise type guy. He came in and started as a 17-year-old his first year under Les Miles, kind of got thrown into the fire, got hurt, uh, but you saw flashes of the great potential that had their original coaching staff so excited about him. And then under Leipold, he's just taken it to a whole other level. He returns the bulk of his top weapons at both receiver and tight end from last season. He's got a first-team All-Big 12 running back coming back in Devin Neal, a kid I call real deal Devin Neal. And Daniel Hyshaw's coming back from a major hip injury, too. He's a future pro. So this offense looks stacked, locked, and loaded. I think they can score 40 a game. I think they're going to be one of the most exciting teams in the country offensively. The question will be, defensively, can they take that next step? Defensively, can they be formidable in a league that has so many great offensive play callers and offensive playmakers? So we're looking forward to seeing if if that aspect of this program takes the next leap as well. But if they do, this is a team that can be in the top 25 throughout the season. I think they have that much potential with a healthy Jalen Daniels. They were ranked before he went down with the injury. And obviously, he, uh, he set all kinds of records in the bowl game versus Arkansas, a triple overtime loss. But never in my 20-year career have I ever called a loss that felt more like a win walking out of there. That's how we felt leaving the Liberty Bowl and hopefully a big stepping stone for this program heading into the future. 544 passing yards and five touchdowns for Jalen Daniels in that game. BYU lost to Arkansas as well in a uh, shootout where the defense gave up 50-plus. So empathy there. I'm seeing three career punts from Jalen Daniels. Does he punt sometimes? <laughs> yeah, he'll do like the the quick kick surprise punt <laughs> thing, but it's it's not like John Hadle who played quarterback, halfback, and punter here back in the day and once had a, a 90-yarder. It's not like that or anything, but he can pin you deep if they decide to last second. Brian Haney, the play-by-play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks on BYU Sports Nation as we get ready for the Big 12 opener in September. From the outside of the Big 12 looking in uh, and looking at these scores and watching these games, there is such an emphasis on offense. It didn't used to be that way in the Big 12, but that's the world we're in now where 40 points is great, might not win the game. Um, as, as these four teams, including BYU, join this league, everyone's trying to patch up the defense, but it's still just go out there and you got to get 40 points a game. you got to get 45 points a game to, to, to have a winning record in this conference. That's the way it's been. It may not always stay that way, but look at some of the quarterbacks that have come through this conference. And not all of them have had huge NFL success, but you know, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, who's obviously the, the high man on the totem pole, or Tyler Murray, Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. I mean, this league has produced so many big-time quarterbacks, Heisman Trophy winners like RG3, Robert Griffin, and, and Sam Bradford, uh, and then other guys that have just been hugely successful NFL pros. And then the receiver talent and the running back talent, too, in this league. It's offensive star power and weaponry that makes for some really exciting Saturdays. And ever since Mike Leach came into the league, the late, great Mike Leach, you know, 20 years ago at Texas Tech and brought his air raid style, I kind of feel like a lot of the, the Big 12 offenses started to spread it out, air it out, and light up the scoreboard. Not exactly like Tech did, 
but similar. So it has been a offensive forward type league, uh, more so than, than what you'd see, say, in the SEC, which which has so many great uh, defensive line prospects that go straight to the league in the first round, and they're they're more ground and pound and, and defensively focused. It is more of an offensive minded league, but. Uh, if you can come in and show that you've got game changers and different difference makers on that defensive side of the ball, that might be the team that has the clear-cut advantage to win this league. But I, I think you guys are going to really enjoy uh, the level of competitiveness, game in and game out, regardless of venue, regardless of opponent. Most nights, anybody can be had. It's that good of a league, especially now that Kansas, who was for so many years the weakest link, now that they've stepped forward and, and launched themselves into the middle of the pack, this is truly a, a league of great parity and equity and, and a league where you're going to have a ton of fun each week because you truly don't know what's going to happen because the teams are that balanced here in the Big 12. And in basketball, it's even more so. The biggest challenge for BYU in any sport will be in men's basketball. It's the number one league. We're hoping BYU can somehow win a third of its league games next year, probably. Give us a sense of uh, what it's like in the Big 12 and hoops and obviously what BYU fans will experience with Rock Chalk Jayhawk at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, no doubt. Well, obviously this is the winningest program in the history of college basketball, and we're really proud of the great Kansas tradition that Bill Self has built upon in his last 20 seasons. Up until just a few years ago, Kansas had won the Big 12 for 14 consecutive years, breaking UCLA's mark for the most consecutive conference championships of 13, of which John Wooden only coached nine. It took three UCLA coaches to, uh, to win those 13 straight. Kansas, in a much more competitive modern era, did it for 14 straight years under self. And while they haven't necessarily won as many national titles in that window as they'd like, this is a program that has been a one seed 11 of the last 18 years, if you include the pandemic year when they would have been the one of ones. They're that consistent. And the league itself is very, very competitive, as you've seen in, in recent seasons. This past year, maybe the best example with, uh, with so many teams that were in the top 25 or even top 15 of, of the uh, net rankings all throughout the season. So we're excited about the additions of BYU and Houston in particular and basketball. It just makes this conference even better. But you've got a lot of teams that have uh, produced Final Four contenders, but Kansas obviously is the flag carrier at the top of that. And so long as Bill Self is on the sidelines, and uh, obviously we didn't have him in the postseason last year because of a health scare, but so long as he's back there, we feel like we have the best coach in the country. And Kansas, thanks to a great spring in the portal, adding Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, Arterial Morris from Texas, uh, Timberlake, a thousand shooting guard that we're excited to get, and then four fantastic freshmen. This looks like the team to beat in college basketball. It looks like they'll be preseason number one. They're right now the odds-on favorite to win it all in Vegas. So that's uh, what BYU is walking into in terms of the Big 12 powers at the top and the competitiveness throughout. But it's a really exciting basketball league, too. Everything I said about how, how tough it is night in and night out in football. It's the same in the basketball side of this thing, especially now with what Jerome Tang has done in one season at Kansas State and revitalizing them. Everybody has the potency to beat anybody, and uh, we found that out many times last season. So it's, it's a really competitive league in both of the two major sports, and I think adding a program and an athletic department as talent-rich and tradition-rich as BYU only enhances that reputation. Well, we look forward to it. I'm not sure all of what you said was great news for BYU. It didn't per se, sound like it. Yeah, when Dickinson <laughs> left Michigan, I was like, oh, yeah, even more talent. No, but it's going to be fun, those challenges. Uh, and, and Kansas in the Marriott Center is going to be a ton of fun as well. Brian, we appreciate the time. We look forward to September 23rd.
Thanks so much for the invite. We look forward to it as well, and welcome to the Big 12, guys. Thanks so much, Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Man, it's going to be uh, – Kansas in particular is so intriguing because hey, football got better. Appreciate- Basketball obviously is yeah. overwhelming, um, but it's a bunch of Gonzagas and St. Mary's. Yeah. And BYU's yeah. had its share of wins in there, but uh, it's going to be much more of that. It's going to be a fun fight. Right. We're not going to win all those fights, but yeah, listening to him roll that out uh, uh, about Kansas, like, okay, those are the top dogs. That's the standard. When we go into that league for basketball and, and for football, the standard fluctuates. And um, especially with, with the, the last year's champion picked to, by some to finish in, in ninth place. Um, and, and that gives, gives us reason to watch. It's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Listen, we left Missouri in Kansas City. A long time ago. We're going, we're going back. back. We're going back. We're going back and we're taking names. <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's the hope. If you missed any of our interviews, and this last one was really good, uh, Deep Blues, shows, our games, uh, you can find them at BYUSN.com or you can download the BYU TV app and get all the BYU TV sports content on demand. Love to hear him say, welcome to the Big 12. That's pretty awesome. Coming up, the latest on Jimmer at Team USA in Austria and Joel Klatt's college football relegation idea. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. When BYU fan Jackson Garrick was born, the doctors weren't sure he was going to live due to a severe case of cerebral palsy. Jackson quickly showed his courage and will by defying the odds in the hospital, and now years later he's defying the odds on the hardwood. This is Deep Blue. Any memory with him has always involved basketball. As a mom, you just kind of know. You see when something's not right. I couldn't put a word to it. I didn't have a name. It wasn't so clear. It was just something was different. So as a dad, one of the things that I always wanted was for Jackson and Kobe to play together and maybe I could possibly be their coach. normal up until the day he was born and something was just different kind of purplish bluish and he just seemed very limp but nobody seemed concerned to us necessarily the doctor didn't say any concern and we just brought home a healthy baby he was nine pounds he was a big boy and for all we knew he was just like any of the rest but still something was different about him maybe he always had a few problems with his speech but I've always had a connection with him where I felt out of anyone in our family that I could always understand what he was saying, oddly. So for me, I, I don't think I really understood what Jackson had till even in middle school. Cerebral palsy has many levels is what I've learned over the years. No two diagnoses are the same. And of course, cerebral palsy is a diagnosis that just means, well, it's nothing else. When he went to kindergarten, he had a very kind teacher. We went to the parent-teacher conference. And then she asked, you know, what do you want? What do you want Jackson to be? What do you want him to be? I hadn't thought. 
So I said, I just want to play basketball with Jackson. You know, it's always been a part of our family. I mean, I was named after Kobe Bryant. I didn't really have much of a choice. I wanted to name Jackson Shaq, but Nikki just wouldn't let me do it. Uh, but we named him after Phil Jackson. We all love basketball. It's just been what we do. She uh, was able to make sure that he had physical therapy as part of his school day. Parts of the day they spent teaching him how to shoot baskets. And he came home shooting free throws. I, I wasn't that good at the start. What helped you get better? Practicing. So when we moved to Houston, Jackson was in third grade. He came home with a flyer about Special Olympics. I don't know why Nikki and I never put it together, but we didn't. Coach was really impressed with Jackson's skills, but also knew that he was kind of little compared to most of the guys and girls on the team. Well, one day after practice, Kobe and I were there playing a two-on-one together. And he saw how we treat Jackson, blocking his shots and knocking him all around. And he says, oh, that's it, Jackson's on the team. Went on to win three straight gold medal Texas State Championships. I won gold at the state basketball game in Dallas, and this is the biggest school I have. Woo! A job opportunity came to, to us when we were living in Houston to move to the Coeur d'Alene Spokane area and shift my career into another area. It was a hard decision because Jackson was well known in our district there in Houston. We had a lot of friends, and like I said, they were like family. We went to the Special Olympics in both Idaho and Washington, because it's right on the border. We thought, all right, we're going to double down, and this is going to be great. And it was starting to be OK. We started in Idaho, and, and then the pandemic hit, and it's all shut down. It was an isolating time. All of his older siblings were out of the house now. Lockdowns didn't help, things like that, moving to a new place. And our little sweet Jackson started to get, to become kind of an angry boy. Why did Heavenly Father make me this way? He'll say, that's hard to hear as a father. You don't have the answers. There were times where he would just like want to hurt himself. And so it was really clear that this was not the place for him. We came to Provo to visit my daughter when she was having our first grandson. I took Jackson to a BYU game. He loved it. He couldn't believe it. He says, is there any way I can play in the Marriott Center? I said, I don't know if that can happen, but there's got to be a BYU Special Olympics team. And there was. We got here, got associated with it right away. His first sport was bocce ball, and he got a silver medal as a BYU athlete. Awesome. In the middle school, he was the team manager for one of the basketball teams, and so he got to warm up with them and sit on the bench. And our coach at Mountain View said, well, that sounds reasonable. Like, we can have him come to practices. He can sit on the bench with us. You know, we'll do our best um, to in involve him. We went to their first practice, and they brought out all of this gear for him to wear, just like all the other basketball players. And I think he felt really excited about that, that he was on the team. You know, Jackson would come into practice and he would shoot all practice long. And, you know, you, you take a little break from your drill that you're doing, you look down the court 
there's Jackson shooting his threes and goes in almost every single time. You know, everyone is just in awe, you know. I think a couple of us, after a drill, you know, we just kind of stood there for two minutes and he didn't miss. Went from one spot to the next, to the next, to the next, and just hit all of them. And then he'll take steps back and keep shooting and he'll make them. And then, you know, his mom will be there rebounding for him. And his mom will put a hand up and he'll still make the shot. They never let him leave practice without fist bumping everyone or getting into the huddle. I mean, he's this quiet, shy kid, new kid at school in special ed. How would they even know or care? But they did. And they welcomed him in immediately. And by the time senior night came around, they were just all they were all in for his success. They just... We knew, because the guys had rallied and they were up by f almost 40 by now, and there was a minute left, a minute and a half left, and we saw the coach nod, put Jackson in. And they called timeout, and uh, the crowd was chanting, we want Jackson, we... You know, and I'm, I'm sitting there on the bench next to some of my teammates and my coaches, and they start chanting Jackson, you know, I can feel it. I'm getting excited because the best part of the game hasn't even come yet. Team Raleigh Drum helped him get off the bench. They got him to where he needed to be to shoot the, his shot. My greatest chance is always to play on the varsity basketball team. And when they hit that three-pointer, that was so fun because everyone was jumping like crazy, cheering my name. Just from that one shot, you know, changed our whole course for the rest of our season. The energy he brings, um, the confidence he gives the rest of our team, it carries over game to game. He knows how to bring people up, and he knows how to take people down on the court. So. You know, back in kindergarten, when they said, we don't really know what he's going to be like when he's 18. Well, now we're here, he's 18, and we still don't really know what the future holds for him. But the one thing we do know for sure is basketball and Special Olympics will be a part of his life for always. Right now, I just want him to enjoy it all. Enjoy the success and the accolades. Do hard things. I want him to always be willing to try. And, you know, 30, 40 years from now, I just want Jackson to be with family members. He has a great capacity to love and to be loved. That's my greatest wish for him. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We talked about it to kick off the show. Speaking of kickoffs, kickoff times and TV channels for four BYU football games were announced. BYU versus Sam Houston will be September 2nd at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. BYU and Southern Utah will be on ESPN Plus on September 9th at 3 Eastern. BYU at Arkansas September 16th, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN2. And the conference home opener for BYU against Cincinnati will be September 29th, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. 
Big 12 also announced bowl tie-ins. The champ goes to the Sugar Bowl unless that team goes to the playoff, then another Big 12 team goes to the Sugar Bowl. The remaining bowls are these in order of selection. Alamo, the new Pop-Tarts Bowl, renamed from Cheez-It. Texas, Liberty, Guaranteed Rate, and then Armed Forces or First Responder, and the Independence Bowl. Women's soccer announcing their non-conference schedule within the last 30 minutes. The Blue-white game will be on August 5th. You have two exhibition games on the 10th and 12th of August. That will be at Rutgers and then versus Idaho State. But then your regular season opener will be against St. Louis here in Provo. Then you'll have Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State at Boise State, a big one on August 31st versus UCLA. And then in September at UVU and at Utah. UCLA, the defending national champions coming to Provo. Yeah. How about that? Jim Fredette uh, led his three-on-three -three Team USA team to two victories over Latvia and Australia in the FIBA World Cup yesterday. Set to play against Latvia and again against Austria tomorrow. Nice work from the Jimmer. My guy Jackson Clough had a three-run triple for the AA Harrisburg Senators and he win over the Bowie or Bowie Bay Sox. Nobody knows. Three to one. David Bowie? Yeah, the David or Bowie. Or the Bowie Knife. Basa. We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, former BYU All-American Alexa Gray playing in the Volleyball Nations League for Team Canada two days ago had 36 kills in a five-set match. Just a monster performance. Canada unfortunately lost that match to Poland. Then earlier today, Canada lost to Thailand. Uh, Gray had eight kills and an ace in the match. United States beat Serbia in five sets. Former Cougar Ronnie Jones-Perry was on the bench for that one, did not play. The U.S. ranked fourth in the world, plays second-ranked Italy tomorrow. Those are the headlines. Now let's whip it. Good Whip Round is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. LSU is using air-conditioned helmets. There was a social media post about this. I thought it was a joke at first, but no, this is real. Will this be the new standard in college football in the coming years? I think it could be. They're calling it Tiger Air, sort of like Gatorade is with Florida, right. Tiger Air with LSU. This is a great idea. You brought up a great point, which is if you just get smashed in the helmet, does that mechanism stop how, how working? How is that gonna hold up to being hit? I don't know, but I think this is a great idea, especially in the heat of kind of August and September, especially in the more Southern states, Oh obviously. yeah, with the humidity? Like even in Utah in August, super hot, right? September some days. I think this is a great idea. If you can get the yeah. tech to yeah. work there. It's a great idea. This also looks like this is gonna be very expensive. So will it be a standard? I think the SEC Prob can afford probably it. Probably not a standard because I'm gonna assume most probably can't afford it. Or if they can't afford it, they're, they're gonna probably put that towards other things. Jason, this this just in, BYU's going to a Power 5 school. What? Or gonna be a Power 5 school. So BYU's No, I love the idea. I have no idea how it's gonna hold up to hits. It makes I no sense. I love the idea, I think it's great. Jamal Williams wore a visor at practice with an anime uh, character on it. It's awesome. If you had a visor design, what would it be? I'm gonna go back to my childhood, okay. uh, 80s cartoons. Mm -hmm. I'm debating between either G.I. Joe or He-Man. I think I'm gonna land on <laughs> He-Man. I loved both those as a kid too. <laughs> so I I'm gonna go, go He-Man. I would go with an Autobot because I love Transformers. In theaters next week. Rise, Rise of, of the, the Beast, Beast, right? Yeah, yeah. baby. All right, you're gonna, go, you're gonna come over by my house and still not say hello? I go to that theater yes, I know. only. I know. Literally I know only that do. theater. I know, you never say Megaplex hi. Megaplex and Vineyard. The Washington Commanders posted a video of Dax Milne making a one-handed grab. Do you think this is a uh, sign of things to come for Dax this season? Let's check that Dax out. Dax is always ready. Ooh, that was a hard one. 
I would call this a two-handed catch because you control it with one hand. So uh, one hand's a stretch there. But uh, yeah, Dax, Dax is still in the league, still with the commanders, punt returner, sometimes receiver. He's ready, man. The fact that Dax, a seventh round pick, has stuck for now a third season mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah, well, I think he's overachieved. He's done a great job. I, I, is it a sign of things to come? Yeah, if they have a competent quarterback. And I didn't even know who their quarterbacks were this year. So I know one Sam of them Howell's is the Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, and Sam Hell. Uh, so so hopefully for Dax, uh, he gets somebody that can actually throw him a decent pass. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson to the Commanders. Let's go. The Cheez-It Bowl is ditching its name for the Pop-Tarts Bowl. If you could name a bowl game after your favorite snack, what would it be? Um, I'm going to go with my favorite candy, which I guess is kind of a snack. I'm going to go with the Hot Tamales Bowl. Oh, the Hot Tamales Bowl. I will eat eight the boxes of those. The coach is just showered with hot tamales I love after. those things. Okay, I love popcorn. So the popcorn bowl, I think, is a oh. fun name. But Orville Redenbacher, I have spent years researching this. Uh, Orville Redenbacher is the best to me. It is it is number one. Okay. It is like Ramsey's legs, the number one. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. One of our favorite guys, former BYU men's basketball star Jimmer Fredette, playing for USA at the FIBA 3x3, 3-on-3 World Cup. Jimmer and Team USA won Game 1 today against Latvia, 21-17. They play Game 2 this afternoon against Austria. Tournament runs through June 4th in Austria. It's not an automatic qualifier for the Olympics, but it's going to have a lot to say about it. Michael Rucker was optioned to AAA Iowa after yielding 10 earned runs over eight and a third innings in his last four appearances. Tweeted uh, or texted back and forth with him yesterday. He'll be back up. Bummed to no, go to Iowa. No doubt. Uh, but he'll be back up. USA Women's Volleyball begins competition in the Volleyball Nations League. That's over in Turkey. And former Cougar Ronnie Jones Perry coming off the bench against Serbia in a five-set USA win. Nice. And the head coach of that team is Karch Karai. How about that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. And former Cougar Calvin Whiting made his uh, Major League uh, Rugby first try of the season and the first 15 in the league after a stellar performance against Rugby ATL, scoring a try and recording 17 tackles. More on what Calvin overcame in the game later on. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. CBS's Dennis Dodd reporting Colorado's had face-to-face -face talks with the Big 12 about rejoining the conference that they should have never left. Uh, of, of all this rhetoric, is this report the most significant? And do you believe the buffs are going to make the jump? I think eventually they will, because I don't have confidence in the Pac-12 sticking together, and Colorado certainly has an identity in the Big 12 that it doesn't really have in the Pac-12, although a lot of its alumni live in the Pac-12 area. Yeah, I'm not, on this story, I'm just kind of like, just let me know when they're actually coming to the Big 12. Yeah, and this one had the most to it only because it was, hey, they've actually met with your mark. It's like, okay, that's more than they're going to. Yeah. Maybe they say, no, they actually have. And, and why would you do that if, if you're not, if you don't have if your bags half-packed? Yes, and Deion Sanders certainly is influential in this, wanting to get back in Texas, reportedly, yeah. with recruiting. ESPN Today will release the start times and TV details for the first three weeks of the season. That's coming up at uh, 2 Eastern time. BYU opens with back-to-back -back home games. Do you want those games in the late TV window or in the middle of the afternoon? Late TV window, still be hot. Gives Cougar fans all day to simmer, uh, to travel in, uh, puts game day on 
let's say, prime time, two hours before. It's a late night for all of us, you're right. But this is Big 12 time. The logo's gonna be on the field, There'll be fireworks in the air. Give them to him at night. We play better at night. Yes, History BYU, is on our side at night. is really good. Um, if it's streamed only, like an ESPN Plus, I don't see why this couldn't be kind of middle of the afternoon. So we'll see what happens. On his podcast last week, Joel Klatt brought up a different aspect of conference realignment that he sees taking place in the future. Klatt said that pretty soon conferences will start looking at which teams they can drop, not add. Well then. Uh, do you like this? And if it catches on, should BYU be concerned? So this is essentially relegation. Um, and you couldn't drop a team suddenly. It'd have to be after the TV contract is up. So for the ACC, it's like in uh, you know 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, well, you should always be worried because you need to win. But it's more teams like uh, Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten that aren't pulling their weight kind of deal. And they should have already been dropped. The fact that they're not going into the new TV deal they leads me to believe they're not going to. It's, it's too much political stuff to trim guys and say, you know what? We've decided you're not as good as us, you're out. Yeah, and there's a lot that goes into dropping a school, some of which is on the field. Yeah. Auburn head coach uh, Hugh Freeze, hey Hugh, he was at Liberty last year, said the best way to get the transfer portal under control is to have the NCAA immediately restore its former policy to have players sit out a year before becoming eligible unless they uh, have graduated or their coach was fired. Is he right? Yeah, he is. To get it under control, yes. To have it continue to be a free-for-all, let kids transfer, and play right away. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.